Hi, my name is Jordan Reisman, and this is my couch. Welcome to episode number two of Other People's Couches. Uh, my last minute savior here is uh, Jordan Reisman, who's a good friend of mine and I knew in college. We were in acapella together. And um, speaking of acapella, why don't you tell us about the first song that you auditioned uh, with our acapella group, Nail Call With. First of all, you make it sound like we're like reconnecting, like we knew each other in college, just happened upon him on the street. Okay, let me Asked revise him this. to be on the show. I hang out with Jordan on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, first, we're good friends. After we broke up initially in college, we got back together again in uh, like when we met up in Brooklyn. I had residual feelings. <laughs> uh, I had to... We moved to Brooklyn. He didn't really know who to uh, sit outside his window with the stereo. It was fine. It was cute. Okay, the first the first song I auditioned for. Okay, this was before I knew really like the standards and rules of acapella. Mm -hmm. Because like over time, you kind of learn like what songs work and jive with acapella. So I auditioned with uh, "Thunder Road" by Bruce Springsteen, which I thought would kind of like give him a sense of me. Like I'm a real like road guy, you know. Like I'm a down home country kid. You want us to think that you're a dude who's willing to tour with an acapella group, like yeah. on, on the road kind or, of. Or I had just like seen like a flyer on like a, a, a telephone pole, and it's like might as well. I'm just in heat. I'm I'm rolling through town for the weekend. I thought you were gonna say I'm just in heat, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that too. <laughs> it's a perfect time. So perfect time for some Bruce Springsteen. I knew at the time the song was not going well. Uh, oh. Because you just, yeah, you guys didn't hide your lack of enthusiasm very well. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I... was I, only a sophomore at the time. I think it was, overall, like, after that, it got okay. I think I did the other stuff okay. And then Craig called me while I was hanging out with my other friends who had gotten where they got in. Uh, Dylan Garrity and Nick Venucci. And they were super ecstatic, because they're, like, best friends. And then I was there, and then Craig called me, and he was like... Yeah, I don't think we're going to... We can't let you out. I'm sorry. You can be free to audition again. And so I had to, like, hide how I was feeling for my other friends who were, like, just riding, riding the high off getting in. And I was crushed. <laughs> but then... Two, I had no idea. Yeah, I was right... I was there when they got the call, and then I got the call from Craig while uh, I was just, like, hanging out with them. Oh, no. Uh, and then two weeks later, I was on spring break. I was just, like, hanging out in my house, and then Craig was like... He literally said verbatim, yeah, we were on the fence about you, but uh, you're in. Like, that was, like, no emotion whatsoever, so. My favorite part about this <clears throat> is that is your Craig impression. And granted, that means. Yeah, no one knows, I guess, uh, the internet. They're going to know now. Craig's yeah. probably going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's fine. That's fine. So I'm really so. Let me just offer a formal apology about how <laughs> I think you definitely down. said one before. I think I have multiple times. Yeah, you didn't know my worth at the time. <laughs> That's what it was. You just were you were a diamond in the rough. Yeah, and like I didn't want to blow it all at first and and over like overdo it because then I, I might like realize that I couldn't make the commitment and I had the commitment with that was like the one thing in college I committed to. That's true. That was like the one thing I ever did that lasted more than like a semester or a year. Within relationships too, right? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Right at the beginning, man. Right at the beginning. Got to get the right core. into it. Got to right. get right into it. But yeah, I'm down, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to you wanna pick me apart? 
No, not really. But, uh, all right, so, like, one thing I actually, so one of the reasons why I started Other People's Couches is because Jordan has, like, a really interesting radio show um, through Breakthrough Radio, mm-hmm. BTR. How would you find it on Google? Breakthrough Radio? Breakthrough Radio. But it's through, like, T-H-R-U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always have to tell people that. Because it's, like, for the internet. Yeah. So, so Breakthrough Radio, yes. And um, you interview, like, different musicians. Like, usually budding artists, right? Like, what's the... The dis- uh, Discovery Artist. So it's, a dis- so it's the Discovery Corner. Right. And you have the Discovery the Artist show. of the Week. Right. And... Listening to that, I was like, you know, he just gets to interview people every week and write, like, really good essays about them. I'm not a good writer, but I want to be on camera, so I made this show. Mm. And um, so thank you yeah. for, for being my inspiration behind that. But why don't you tell me a bit more about, like, what's the criteria for, like, a discovery artist in the first place? Well, to go back, uh, you're saying, like, I guess I'm your inspiration for starting. Well, actually, uh, I got the idea, the, the kind of style that I have uh-huh. from... The podcast WTF with Mark Marin, right? So like I've been a long time listener, and like the way he kind of like goes on for a few, like fifteen or so minutes at the beginning of his show, just like talking about himself, like his problems and his like relationships, his failed relationships most of the time. I love that, and so <laughs> uh, I couldn't do it for as long as he does because he can go on for like twenty minutes. Well, his straight. podcast can be up to like three hours long, right? Well, usually like hour and a half. Hour and a half. The, it feels the like longest. Hours. Yeah, but he just like goes into his whole life and i try to do that a little bit i what i usually try to do is like i'll bring up something in my life that kind of has to do with the artist that i'm featuring but like sometimes i I do it where it's like a real reach where like the one that's coming out next week i talk about being sunburnt and how i should respect the sun more and the band is called sleepy sun so i'm like and this ties into the show like very very uh thin but you know (laughs) that's pretty i like to think i make it work that's pretty interesting. So, yeah, the, the criteria for... Well, because, for instance, so um, La Luz, who is a band that I heard on okay. your station, who I actually saw live in South By, and it was awesome. And mm. I was just like, oh, cool. Like, and they did a great job, but it seems like they're doing really, really well for themselves. And then there are other bands that you'll feature on the like Discovery Corner that like don't do anything other than be featured on Discovery Corner. So yeah. I don't know if they like, do they have to be part of a label, like... Um, well, the only criteria really is if they've been approved by one of the DJs at BTR, who, like, the sh- like the Discovery Artist is, like, all of the suggestions from the different DJs at BTR. Uh, and so, like, I get emails from, like, my editor, and she's, like, and she puts five or so artists on a list, and then I just start going away and emailing them. Mm-hmm. Well, I've featured a lot of bands that I'm close with, people that I know, People you that actually just had Frey Wilcox on. Right, yeah, because, you know, sometimes you need, like, you'll be pressed for time with an interview, and no one's getting back to you. So you just go for someone that you know, and she's kind of in my circle, and she works close to me, so I just got her down. And uh, and uh, But sometimes it's, like, a, a band that I really look up to that I haven't really spoken to before. So that's but nice. That's always, like, a really cool experience for me. Like, cer- like I featured this band called The Dirty Nil from... Uh, Hamilton, Ontario, mm-hmm. and I just like saw them one time, and I was like enamored because I don't know they just had that like good like rock and roll, but like the kind of rock and roll that's so simple but like hard to find. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like that's kind of a thing these days. It's just like hard to find good rock music. So, 
what about all this music and everything like really kind of speaks to you on a personal level? Like I know I would I would say you're a career local band artist. Uh, in the way that since I've known you, you've always been part of a band. Yeah. Or, or work breaking up with a band. Yeah. Um, but like so so music to you is something that's like really really important obviously and like and how do you feel like you fit into like the culture of it and everything um it's weird because like i've i've always been in bands but i've never really been in a band that like made it on any level Mm -hmm. or like had any success and that's that's all okay like i kind of realized like the how hard it is for bands and also i never like tried super hard like it was always kind of like with my friends and we'd play in the town we were in or something Mm -hmm. Um, so, like, there have, there's been a few bands that fit in pretty well, like, a few of the ones I was in in college, one was called Bizarro Me, one was called The Lovely Matadors, and Bizarro Me, kind of, like, we were kind of cheeky, and, like, we fit in pretty well, because we were just so silly, and, like, the, our singer, Nick Benucci, would always just take his clothes off, take his clothes That's off, really and just, like, get up in everybody's face, and I think people, like, responded to that, and, uh, the, the next band I was in was a little more, like, polished, but... I guess we just didn't, like, hit, uh, I don't know. We didn't really, like, plug into, like, the what was trendy at the time. So you were dad rock, but there were no dads. Yeah, there's no dads around. Yeah, we were, like, we were, like, pop punk, actually. Like, but, like, pop punk, more radio-friendly, I'll say. Well, do you ever think about how pop punk is eventually going to be the dad rock of 20 years from now? I do, and that's scary to me. Right? Because well, I, well, I mean, think about all the dads that are going to so, be like blasting Fallout Boys. It's Boy, so and their kids are going to be like, oh man, Fallout Boys on the radio. It's like it's going to be Steely Dan status, which oh. to me is like the ultimate dad band. Like it's like, oh, everyone knows of Steely Dan, but because their dad loved it, and Steely Dan is probably the Fallout Boy of yesteryear. I'm almost hoping that like everything that I listen to will just be like forgotten, <laughs> so that I don't have to like, ex- <laughs> so that it won't have to be like a dad thing. Where my kids are, like, embarrassed if I have kids mm-hmm. and if I show them music. I, I kind of almost just want to have, like, my secret record collection that I don't show them. Like, whatever they listen to, cool. And if they, like, seem to be, like, going the way that I was brought up, I'll, you know, you want to listen to, uh... Check yeah. out some of this, uh... Okay, so, like, you don't really want to have, like, you don't want to lord your musical influence over your kids in a way. I think, like... I don't know. It's it, I, I want. I think like you, you want your kids to kind of be like you, but you don't want to like force it upon them. Mm-hmm. My dad didn't really force his musical taste upon me, but he had such a wide, like a wide uh, gamut of stuff that he liked. It was it Barry was, Manilow was on that list. Barry, you I don't know. I can't even like say like I mean he likes all the obvious like you know the Beatles and the Stones and like he'll play all that stuff when people are over, but he also has like. A lot of jazz and a lot of uh, country and blues that he doesn't like necessarily talk about all the time. But he has like a really wide music taste. My dad, like culturally, my dad is like super sound. Culturally, like not just in music, but you mean like, yeah, like art and... yeah. I don't know what like he's just like really has good taste. I'm very I, I, honestly, I have like four heroes, and my dad is like number one. I just want to say that. I think my dad. Cool. Yeah, who, who, I don't who know. Are, who are your other three heroes then? Larry David, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's only funny though, because Larry David like kind of prides himself on being kind of a shitty person, but I like that. I, I like how he's so honest with it. Like how he just, he puts it out there and, mm-hmm. but he also is like a real thinker and, and real kind of critic of society. Well, I mean, that, that doesn't mean to that's, say that he's not like funny or like yeah. a genius in any way, but like, 
But he, like every, you know, like in his show, like everything he does is so misunderstood. But like me, I'm like, yeah. Why do people like? Why do they make you take their your shoes off when they're you're in their house? I don't get that. That's a really good point, actually. Like everything, like it's it's all like pe- people don't. But then again, there is a saying that like all geniuses are like misunderstood at the time. You know. I heard that today. In I mean, to yeah, music. it's a common platitude. Like mm. Einstein was misunderstood. Maybe like Larry. As we're talking about like things and how they age over time, maybe he'll be like the next genius. I feel like a lot of people like the the jury's already out on him because in the way that like people either feel like he is a genius now, or they just don't care about him. Like there's no, or he's just annoying, right? To people, okay. But like I, I don't know if I could find anyone who could like come up with a successful argument and say that like he's not really good at what he does. Yeah, like he's not necessarily a renaissance man. But he, you know, he, he's like, yeah, Seinfeld. he does like two things. Yeah, but then he does them really well. <laughs> yeah, he does those things very well. So, so I think he, are, you already do him kind of like as a genius. He has that status. I do, yeah. I'm, I guess I'm in like the Larry cult. But like, there's so many people, cultural figures that I can't, I feel like there's not going to be like any like one person that we all look at, like reference. It's so hard now. Where yeah, so like, fragmented. there's so much stuff out there to process. And like, everything has its own little sub niche like you think about like people who watch like doctor who that's like a lot of people but it's also a small like a, a, a subculture have you ever and, watched doctor who no never i don't really like english no offense to any of the doctor <laughs> who fans out really... there but it's like watching power rangers it's hard for me to like start watching english things any would you watch sherlock sherlock no <laughs> I, I suck with tv like people always try to get me to watch shows and i suck at... have you seen breaking bad no, that's the, that's like the one. I'm going to censor that part. I'm just going to like put a cut there, and we're going to go on to the next question, which is tell me about hero number yeah, three. I don't want to offend everybody because <laughs> everybody – it's like that's like the show that you like have to watch. Right now it is, yeah. Before it was The Wire, right? The, the Wire, I guess. Um, yeah, The Wire, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I can't like say that sh- – Orange is the New Black right now. That's become like – that's actually the. Sh- it's interesting because like that's the show where if you don't watch it, you're like part of the problem, of oh, like right, because it's supposedly of like has... transgender awareness mm-hmm. and like how women are the stars of the show. And so if like you're you don't watch it, it's like you don't support it. But it's like I don't watch it because I don't watch it. I don't have Netflix. I have Netflix. I totally could watch it. I could. I could have spent a lot of time binge watching it. I just choose not to. So, hero number three. I said the four hero thing, but like, I think those were my heroes at age like 19. Because I think <laughs> at one point I was like, I have four heroes. But I guess, who, who do I like? Well, how old are you now? 23. Okay. I like Ira Glass. But I don't know if I would, I just really like the work he does. I don't know if like, I don't know. I think at one point I liked This American Life more than I do now. I can, I, I, I can understand that. I like I his think name. my dad and Larry David are like the big ones. Okay. Hmm. Musicians though, I don't know, man. Like, maybe we can come back to that. Dave Grohl. I feel like over the time I'd be able to think about it and like, like that's, I mean, recently I, my favorite, I think my favorite actor is Lawrence Fishburne. Really? <laughs> I was thinking about that recently. And I'm Why? Like, I just really... Apocalypse I've, Now? I've never seen Apocalypse Now. Wasn't but everything he's been in, 
I like eat up. I love his perf- like he always has like these really powerful for powerful performances that like he, he's not even necessarily like, the main role. But like have you ever seen Boys in the Hood? No, I haven't. He's actually. so good. At, he's so like he's so captivating in everything. He like demands to be taken seriously. I like people like that. Matrix. Matrix. Yeah, I mean that's all. That was like my favorite movie when I'm I was. I'm just. Uh, I'm thinking of only nine. Lawrence Fishburne films I've seen, which are Apocalypse Now and. This is also Matrix. my way of evading the question because I'm like, shit, uh, I gotta think of somebody. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. We can keep going, Lawrence Fishburne. What other? What's another Lawrence <laughs> Fishburne film? Oh, uh, uh, Aquila and the Bee. I heard that was actually really good. <laughs> it is really good. I like. It was. It's like I like movies where it's like set in in like a, a not so nice area, but then this this one kid like makes it, and like all like the whole community supports her, to to uh, achieve a spelling bee. A spelling bee. That came out around the same time as I heard Huckabees, right? I never saw I heard Huckabees. I just remember getting those two confused, like plots and oh. with their titles, because mm-hmm. they both end in B. Yeah. And yeah, so it was like I heard Huckabees, this really heartwarming tale about this girl who wins a spelling bee. Mm. Then I saw I heard Huckabees, and it was like this really weird. Is it Noah Baumbach? It's not Noah Baumbach. Ray says it's not Noah Baumbach. I thought it was. Noah he Baumbach. did a, the Squid and the Whale, which is also another animal titled yep. film. Um, I liked that one. I saw it when I was in high school. It was pretty good. The only. Spoilers here, but the only thing that I remember is when the kid jacks off, jacks off in the library. Like, yeah, on the library, yeah. right? I feel like that's the only scene, and that everyone really, really remembers. Jeff Daniels was in that. Which, by the way, they released the. We're just talking about movie. I mean, Dumb and Dumber Two. Dumb and Dumber Two. I wanted to ask you about this today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it. I'm excited. I mean, they look a little weirdly old, but like at the same time, they're not supposed to look young. Because well, it's set like 20, 20 years 20, later, which is fine, you know. So I thought it was actually kind of genius. For that opening trailer. That was awesome. It was just... Gotcha! Gotcha. That I was, was like, so good. You, wait, you just spent 20, <laughs> 20 years? 20, that's such a, a funny gag. plot point. I'm worried it's going to be like Anchorman 2. It's going to be like unnecessary and pale in comparison. Well, with with a lot of things, you just don't want to set your expectations too high. You know? The Lego movie. That could really kill you. Really you know, well. like, if, you, if you're like, it better... If you, if you, especially with sequels. Like, if you, if you think and hope it's going to be as good as the first, you're always wrong. Pretty much, Batman, the second Batman. Which Batman, which which installment? Well, obviously, Batman and Robin was much better than <laughs> Batman Forever. Are those actually sequels? Well, technically, it goes Batman and then the the second one. With Batman. Uh, shit, what was the second one called? There's Batman with Tim Burton. Then Batman Unplugged. <laughs> Batman Unplugged. The acoustic there's, version. Then there's Batman Live at the Fillmore East, and then yeah. there's Batman Forever. Batman naked. Batman still going, and then Batman and Robin, and those are all related. Batman and Robin back together again, but like together with a two. <laughs> that was a band yeah, on MTV. I know. I kind of want. I kind of want to <laughs> segue into talking about them. No, we're gonna. Sur- we're talking about like the really like weird like small thing like forms of media in my life. Uh huh. Well, yeah. this is more about you. That, yeah. Fuck. I should probably talk about myself. But I guess you do they, that. They say that. Well, Chuck Klosterman says that like. A man talking about like his favorite movie is like talking about himself. It's a way he says it's an extroverted way to achieve solipsism uh, by by like discussing things that you like and having obsessions, obsessions specifically, okay. which is something that I kind of identify with. But now I feel like that I'm cognizant of that, that it's a way of ex- explaining myself. It kind of ruins the whole thing. 
Because like now I know that that's like so a now way it's thing. always in the back of your mind. It's like when I'm talking about how much I really enjoy this painting, I'm talking. Because then I'm then I'm like, well, I might as well just be off. talking about myself. If I'm already talking about like what I like about Lawrence Fishburne, and what I what I hope to, it's it's really, it's really so, what I'd like to be. As you want to be Lawrence Fishburne? Oh, I get it. No, I get it. So you like? Well, I, I, I like how he, he he comes into a room and he just says one thing, and you're just like, holy shit! Like he talks about gentrification in Boys in the Hood. And there's a scene where he he's talking about like to these two boys about like what's going on in their neighborhood in Los Angeles, and then everybody from the community just like circles around him, literally, and they're just like listening to every they're clinging on to every word that Lawrence Fishburne says, and yeah, that's how I'd like to be. I'm gonna go home and watch that movie now. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I actually was gonna post it at one. The point. whole thing's on YouTube. No, well that one scene, but I think you should watch the whole. Well, movie. then I'll put that in the link description on this on okay cool yeah that movie is incredible i wrote a sociological paper on it in sophomore year and i think i got like a b plus so that's not you know what i keep thinking of four brothers and that's not the same that. boys in the hood is with i uh i was about to say ice cube wait no it is with ice cube but it's also with cuba gooding jr who has a similar <laughs> name ice cuba ice, gooding yeah jr. <laughs> uh yeah ice cube is in that and so is you know, lawrence fishburne it's got everybody it's, it's a, but it's all, it's all, it's, it's, but people, I feel like, confuse it with Friday, which is like, it's like a Friday and that's, that's like a South Central, but like hijinks South Central, but Boys in the Hood is like real. Pretty real, huh? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually one of the best documentaries that about I've ever seen. What's going on in Los Angeles, man? It's LA documentaries. It's called gentrification. It's what happens when the property value of a certain area is brought down. Huh? You listening? Yeah. Um, speaking of Dumb and Dumber, uh-huh. we're not actually talking about Dumb and Dumber, but I was <laughs> reading this. I was reading this thing today, and I wanted to ask you about it, and I forgot to sure. send it to you. But it's about spor- it's sexuals. Have you heard about them? Um, I'm trying to. F- I've never heard of it. No, but I'm trying to figure out what it could possibly be. Well, so just some background. The guy who created the term metrosexual about 20 years ago. He was like, metrosexuals are going to become the new norm for men. That hit for, like, for a good, like, three years. He predicted it, I think, in, like, 94, yeah. and it became 100% true, like, in the 2000s. Yep. And, you know, when you had the whole queer out for the right. guy thing. Awesome. Then South Park made fun of it, and then it wasn't cool anymore. Um, yeah. But now, but look at you and I. So, anyway, so spornosexuals are super athletic men who also like who try to emulate like porn actors hmm. so they, they like their body themselves becomes a new becomes an accessory so really? you have like the david beckham's anybody in the cast of true blood who's not bill um like all these you know you just see these like shirtless men with yeah. like their abs and stuff and this guy was saying he's like the next kind of as we become more comfortable with homosexuality the next step is just to almost in a way like become envied by men yeah that's oh my god that's i relate to that because like you know you're doing well as a straight male if you're getting looked at by gay men and i i work in an i work right near chelsea and i just see a lot of guys that like they're ripped to the point where like you can't be real and their skin is so shiny and their hair is so immaculate like perfectly done i'm like how are you a person like But they're real. They, there's so many people like that. Well, yeah, and so this guy is saying, like, the next... You, you really need to look into it, because I know you, yeah. you'd love it. But, like, it's... 
He's saying it, so it's spornosexuals. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I remember reading that, and I was just like... This What's is this a... S for? Sports. So it's like a uh, mixture of sports and porn? I was thinking of spores. Like... I was thinking of spores, too, and I thought it was like a mushroom thing. Yeah, I was like, is anthrax back or something? <laughs> but no, so it's like sports and porn, okay. and so you get like the spornosexual. So you're, you're just like this highly sexualized male version with like, that's just, your body is an accessory. So like, you take off your shirt whenever oh, you can. Man. And just look, pick up a men's fitness magazine. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when the Hollister on Broadway was around. They would have a guy. Is it not there anymore? I don't think it is. No. They would just have a guy who would stand outside all day. Oh, two guys. Without a two guys. Yeah, one or two guys without a shirt on. Who they seem like what you're talking about. Yes. Like just very idealized, like male bodies, just like there to draw women in and i was so amazed by it like their nipples just didn't they looked like i, I wanted to touch them but you did just to them? see if they were real you know touching. i'm sure that i'm sure that's been done before people touching their nipples uh, yeah other or... people touching their nipples right right yeah, yeah um yeah that's that's interesting you know like but I, i'm wondering is are they conscious that they're trying to be like a porn star a male porn star or they just happen to have like this aesthetic of well, looking. it's kind of like the whole metro, like when metrosexual was like still a thing that people said and like actively spoke about before it just kind of permeated everything. Like, what, was that something that people consciously made an effort for? I think for a lot of these men, it's just it's just the idea that's like I want to look good. Actually, I just read another thing too that like um, there's they're creating a new slim style shirt. Okay. So around the two thousands. American men started wearing, like, slimmer European-style button-ups. Right. So, like, they were a bit more fitted. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> now they've somehow created, for the extra athletic men, these spornosexuals, they've created slim shirts that are actually four inches tighter on either side. So they're, like, really, really tight, but it's just, uh. it's just so it's like you're wearing, like, Under Armour, but as a button-up shirt. And they're saying it's for all these men who spend these hours in the gym, like, lean, like, you know, six-packs – just to kind of show off this, like, their hypersexualized, like, toned bodies. Yeah, when, when those kinds of guys wear, like, the really tight clothes, I'm like, dude, like, you can, you could scale down. Like, we already know what you've got, okay? Like, I think the skinny look looks good on a certain body type. I like to think that I, I can rock it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of always dressed like that. But, like, people, it's, it's annoying to me how, like, really buff guys who have awesome bodies are, like, co-opting that style, and trying to fit into like skinny jeans when you're like, man, you don't need that. Like, you don't need you don't need like they don't need any more to make them like desirable. Because that's they already have like the perfect body. So maybe then this is like so you're saying if you have a perfect body, you need to wear sweatpants all the time. Yes, sweatpants and a sweatshirt and just make yourself look as frumpy as possible. Yeah, because you're a Christmas present waiting to be unwrapped. Because then yeah, they're already like light years ahead of all of us. Mm-hmm. You know. That's, but well, then again, I don't work us. out, so like... Well, I would say that, I, all right, um, I'm pretty sure you have a decent time on the online dating scene, correct? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, I mean, around, like, my man. I feel like you, you're bringing up a vendetta against attractive men, and I would say that you're part of the problem. Well, ooh, damn. The, the problem being what? Well, I don't know. You were bringing up a problem with <laughs> attractive well, men. I mean, like, I don't have a problem with attractive men, really. I'm not like Elliot Roger, where I, like they need to like die. You know, like I don't care. But like, oh, I was, was like, that too, was that too soon? Probably a little too soon, but it's okay. But I mean, but I'm saying he's bad. That's that's a bad guy, right? No, yeah, he definitely. We can all agree guy. he's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I mean, 
it's just with like people who have awesome bodies who take like the style of someone. Fuck! Now I'm gonna sound like such a hipster. So let's just like, cut this part. No, I don't care. Like whatever. You can, okay. You, it's it's all part of it's all part, it's of, all the part of the rhetoric. Sure. I mean, like that's fine. We can keep going. But like, why do they? Why do people need to like look like the all, so-called alternative look when they when they when anybody who looks like that is not from like. They the never... alternative scene. Yeah. Well, so there was this... So I read Noisy. I don't know if that's like gotten to the point where it's like you read Pitchfork and it's people just kind of grimace at you. Whatever, man. But like Dan Ozzy had a thing. It's like things you should never do at a show. And it said, don't take off your shirt because it's like looking at yourself in the mirror. Unless you're <laughs> fat, in which case it's okay because you're just like everybody else. I love him. Do <laughs> you, you want to tell him right now? Maybe I, he'll watch it. I, he's awesome. Yeah, Dan, you're the best. I like your um, honesty. But I thought that was like really interesting, and I was like, "That's okay for me and Craig to take off our shirts at shows because it's like." Well, I mean, like no I remember into that. a couple of years ago when there was a lot of that, like those articles coming out, like sexism in the punk scene. There was, there was a lot of them coming out at one point, and one of them that Lauren Denizio of the Measure wrote, she was like, "You make me feel uncomfortable when you take your shirt off," and a lot of guys had a lot of issues with that at the time, um, and I can kind of get it now. It's just like. It's very, it's just like very Neanderthal, like, I mean, if, if you are too hot, well, Craig, when Craig does it, he's playing, so it's not like, oh, right, yeah, but he's yeah. also not like the kind of guy who'd ever be worried about. I'm just really sweaty. Yep, yeah, and whatever. I take off my shirt, because if I don't take off my shirt, I am, it's like I'm standing in a pool, I mean, a stinky, stinky pool. You shouldn't be policed, whatever. I've I mean, got a nipple piercing. You can do whatever you want, which is okay. I don't want to stay at my sister's place. No room that's for me. But I have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, one being, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but we obviously got off track because um, I'm really good at that. Yeah. Uh, you said you were interested in having a podcast about things you hate, and I think that is a great idea. Yeah. And so why don't you give me, like, a little bit more info on that? I mean, it was kind of just... I haven't, enact, like, put it into action yet, but I think it would be fun just to have, like, a way to voice all my, like, problems with the world, things I don't get, but as a way to not make anybody else bear the brunt of it, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, sometimes I'll think of something that I don't like, and I'll tell, like, five people individually. Sometimes I'll tell that person twice. And they're like, yeah, I heard this already, how you don't like grown adults who ride scooters. You don't like that? No. I think, no. Like, grow <laughs> up. Get a bike or something. Or a car or any other mode of transportation. What about, grown, what about grown men and women who uh, skateboard? Well, skateboarding, that's a whole different thing. Because it's not always about transportation. But it's like, because like, skating is like a culture, that's like a viable culture. You don't believe in the scoot culture? No. The sculpture? Because it's like that, because they're only using it for, for uh, transportation, but like also it's a shitty mode of transportation. One rock comes in front of you and you're done. You're like on the pavement in your business suit with your briefcase and everybody sees it and you have to <laughs> fucking explain that you, you beefed it on a scooter. It doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, I really wish I could disagree with you, but I'm imagining the scenario right now. I'm sorry. Like, it. Yeah, don't ride a scooter. I actually saw two bikes crash into each other um, on my way here before, and I've never seen that happen in my life. And it was literally like this. So you got two bikes. 
That's it. That's there. There was no sound. There was like <laughs> yeah. nothing. Nothing else. The tire. It just kind of like. And the best part was that like one guy was going a little too fast, and so he he like just kind of slowly turned around, got his bike under control, and he looked at the other the the girl who hit him. He's like, "Hey, are you okay?" And she was like, "Yeah, I'm all right. Are you okay?" And he was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Okay, I'll see you later." Just went off. The bike community. The when bike I was, community. When I was in high school, I was in St. Mark's Place, and a guy was going down like Fourth Avenue, and he hit me on his bicycle. I guess he was like a delivery driver for mm-hmm. a restaurant, and but from some bizarre chain of events, I ended up apologizing to him. <laughs> well, did I, you walk in, into a bike lane? I don't. Maybe, but like at the same time, how, he's the one that could inflict more damage. Mm-hmm. Like, how did I end up apologizing? I think, like, he knocked my sunglasses off, and then... Did they break? No. But mm. eventually I was like, dude, I'm sorry. And then he rode off because he had to make a delivery. And that probably explains a lot about me. <laughs> All right, well, final question. Yes, final question. Um, tell me the story behind this couch. This couch? Okay. Well, I wish I could tell you, like, where it comes from, like, where it's made, where it's bought from, but I moved into this apartment... Uh, in July of 2013, and they had two couches. One of them was, you can't see it, but it's over here, and then the other one is right here. And, um, yeah, it was just like, I was really relieved to have this kind of couch, because I was like, alright, I'll move into a place, I just, just needs to have a couch. It's just so you can have the apartment couch. My girlfriend felt the same exact way, and I didn't agree with her until we got the couch, and now I understand. Yeah, you need it. And if you have, like, a bad couch... I remember I had, like, a really crappy, like, pleather couch in my house in New Paltz, like a sectional. And every time I was on it, I just, like, smelled it. And it just smelled like weird, like, like your uncle's basement. Not, like, that kind of thing, but just, like, <laughs> the uncle who has bad taste. That's what I mean to say. With, like, wood paneling. It smelled like gingham. Yeah. <laughs> Ging- Yo, I was wearing gingham today. I don't know what you're saying about that, man. That's great. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just (laughs) cheesy uncle. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, man, I wish I knew more about this couch. I want to make up for it by giving you more details about what's What's going on in other couches. What's happened in this couch. Yeah, give me me a story about what's happened on this couch. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, so I had a party uh, last July, Mm -hmm. a housewarming party. I think you showed up. Nope, never mind. You didn't show up. (laughs) And um, I was invited, though. Yeah, a lot of people came, a lot of friends. It was really fun. We were dancing to music. We played the song Mama Says by the Shirelles like 20 times in a row, which was pretty fun. And then uh, a friend of mine from college, a younger girl who's two years younger than me, um, she was crashing on this couch and... which was cool. Like, she, she wanted to come for my party. I was happy to have her. And then as it kind of got later, I, I was getting texts from this girl that I was talking to on OkCupid, and then um, she asked if we could meet up. So I went to, like, near the DeKalb stop on the L train. And then I met up with her, but I, for, but I told my friend who was staying here, like, hey, I'm just going to go out for a little bit, go to this, hit up this other party. She's like, okay, I'll stay here. And then, so, like, I had, I st- end up, like, staying the night where I was going and then I had just, like, this girl, like, sleep here without me. And, like, I honestly, I had other people partying. And she just had to, like, wait it all out and go to bed. And then, like, she texted me, like, where are you? When I was at the other person's apartment <laughs> next morning. It was just, I felt, it was Did like. she sleep on the couch? She slept on the couch. And I felt like the worst friend in the world. Are you two still friends? Yeah. She's going to stay at my parents' house 
on Friday. Are you going to be there, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she gets a whole floor to herself, and I probably won't ditch her. But <laughs> I don't know. Things come up. Things come up. Yeah. Um, and on that note, we're going to end it. Thank you so much, Jordan Reisman. This Thank you, Colin Valley. Thanks for uh, having me in your home. And uh, this has been Other People's Couches. Today's featured guest was Jordan Reisman. If you want to check out his radio show, Discovery Corner, you can head over to BreakthroughRadio.com. The music featured in today's episode was from an upcoming release by Jordan's current band, Harrington, and the track Fucking Up Too Young by The Dirty Nil. The audio clip was from Boys in the Hood. All links and attributions in the description. Thanks again for listening.